Hey, I'm Phil. And I'm Chris. We are two dads who share one simple goal, to be better fathers to our kids. And that involves more time together with our families. More books, more movies, more board games. And most importantly, more meals together. And if we're going to spend more meals together, we need to be better cooks. So this is us trying to figure that out. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. So, hey, Phil. How are you doing? Man, I'm feeling I'm feeling auspicious today. How are you feeling? Apparently that makes two of us. It's uh it's a good day. Tuesdays are great. I think. I think Tuesdays are good days. Well, so. it's a good Tuesday when it's the Tuesday following the first Monday in November every four years, right? This being that fourth year. There's something going on today. Something electoral. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about anything right now. I just know that I get to hang with you for the next half hour. So Yeah, this is a great way me. not to watch anything that's going on. So in those terms, it's fantastic. Indeed. Indeed. Did you have a good Halloween? Honestly, I kind of forgot that it was Halloween. I got pretty tied up in a little house project and we literally just working on that all weekend. Did you get many trick-or-treaters? I don't think that we did. I turned off the porch light <laughs> like a no, Yeah, that's a good way to get keep them away, yeah. I was just exhausted from working all day. So I don't know if it's COVID-related or the unappeasing front that we put on, but we succeeded. <laughs> There's that. So not, not many <laughs> goblets, ghouls, or poltergeists, per se? No, we did not have any poultry slaughterers darken our doorstep. You totally, in that Knives episode, you totally said that a poultrist is a poltergeist. Yeah, you know, it's like the the poultry guys. That's the etymology of it, Phil. They're, they're poultry guys. They they make turkey ghosts. Poultry guys? No, but you're saying, you're saying poltergeist, and I'm saying poltergeist. Yeah, it's the same thing. No, I don't know. It's, it's the same thing, Phil. They make, okay, well, they make would... turkey ghosts. I think it's the spirit of the dad joke that has uh, been coming over me over the past several years. What kind of ghost is that? I don't, I don't know if I want to know. I've, I've been fighting it, but the battle is hard, so sometimes I just have to give in because we got to get that out. So, like I said, it's it's getting it's getting bad. It's it's taking over <sighs> me. Hmm. Hmm. But them turkey farmers. Yeah. Here's one for you. The pork butcher. You know much about those guys? I, I actually know a couple pig farmers. Not necessarily butchering. Wait, literally you, you do? Like you know them? Actually, yeah. Huh. Would they call themselves charcutiers? No, probably not. Because they live in the US of A. Okay, well, <laughs> I, for one, live in France. Yeah, one can, one can wish. But if I did, if they lived in France, they might call themselves charcutier. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and ask, uh, is that um, where we get the phrase charcuterie? As in like a Ding. charcuterie board? We're going to ring the bell for a segue. <laughs> When, when we're trying man. too hard. Yeah. Those are the best uh, times, though. Yeah, that's that's where they get the, the word charcuterie. I used to think it was charcuterie. And I even think I, I, like, I feel like I remember correcting someone a while ago that it was charcuterie, not charcuterie. And here we are all these years later. I was the one that was wrong. I think we'll learn that about me on this podcast. Like, I definitely think I know what I'm doing and then realize I don't. So... It's really, it's really cute charcuterie. when you say uh, charcuterie. Yeah, I like to put the cute in charcuterie. Okay, Chris. So charcuterie, what is it? How would you, how would you define it? Well, I know it a very, very tiny bit, but from a super, super basic standpoint, I want to say that charcuterie is a French word that mm-hmm. stems from 
char or char like to to cook or to char to alter with heat i suppose maybe i think it, if i'm remembering right and i might not be i think it actually has to do with like pig meat so like charring pig meat but it kind of grew a little bit to encompass the the preparing and curing of meats in general is that kind of in line with what you remember and or have read about yeah, I mean, basically just based off of a couple of factors. One, what I thought I already knew of the dish or the or the platter, the, if you will. Discipline, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like I to like think that. of charcuterie as uh, like in, in the same vein as sushi. They should make a, a charcuterie dock like Jiro. Right, I mean, one that does charcuterie is a charcuterie. So it's more than just a dish, for sure. It is an art. It is a practice. And yeah, it, it does... It does come from the French, as do most wonderful things. And it, it does deal a lot with pork, ham and sausage. So, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the pig farming for sure. And then we kind of get into like pâtés, terrines and aspics, which is. Oh, bother. Chris, what do you what do you know about pâtés, terrines and aspics? Um, Other than the foie gras that we've talked about on a previous episode. Yeah. So I feel like in general, there is this whole category of meat preparation that can include things like a galantine as well hmm. that are That sounds all, right to me. So some of it can be a little bit more processed pâtés, I think of as, and I could be totally off on this because, you know. I'm still just figuring all this out, but I think of it as a little bit more of like a processed meat kind of formed into a solid again. And a, like spam more or less. Yeah. I'm sure there's, I'm sure that somebody will let us know the more technical process that goes into it, but you're taking the meat, grinding them all up and reforming them. Yeah. In various yeah. ways, whether that's with like some type of gelatin base or well, much like politics, Aspects seem to me like maybe one of the most disgusting things in the world. And yeah, it's it's from what I understand, it's like this meat jello and it is jiggly and <laughs> that's a disgusting phrase. <laughs> meat jello. Which which like a, a, a galantine is pretty much a meat jello. It's like it's like yeah. a chicken jello. And I don't know why, but it kind of came to be part of this charcuterie board. So that's kind of one other aspect of it. And then another notable piece to the charcuterie is some form of cured or uncured meats. And just real quick, I, I thought it was kind of fascinating. Like I've always wondered what the difference is between the cured and the uncured. Basically the difference between cured and uncured is uh, whether or not it was preserved with salts or with chemicals and cured meat, which often I feel like here in the US of A, we are referring to bacon. That just seems like the most common one, just because everybody consumes bacon. So I'm not a nutritionist, just a guy just with some AirPods and a cape. That should be part of your weekly podcasting uh, costume, if you will. A cape and a nugget. That could be an episode <laughs> title right there. Cape and a nugget. <laughs> one cape, one nugget. We're just going to leave it as that. I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, so a cured meat is basically preserving the meat with nitrates or nitrites which is, I guess, something else. And an uncured yeah. meat is definitely not going to last quite as long, but it's a little more natural. So in a charcuterie board, we have some meat jello, some cured meats. And traditionally, does that kind of encompass what a charcuterie board consists of? 
Traditionally, yes. Traditionally. But these days, not so much, right? I mean, that's not, not what I think not, of. Not what I think of a charcuterie. Yeah, no, not my charcuterie. That's not my charcuterie at all. Like meat jellos should not be anybody's charcuterie right now. I don't think, personally. That's my opinion. See, I'll, I feel like I'll, you would I'll like it. I feel like you could nah. totally get down with a little nah. meat jello jiggle. I like my meat a little bit more uh, toothsome, if you will. Toothsome. That's good. I like that. Your vocab. Well, as it were, charcuterie has changed, whether by way of time or region. But yeah, what I, what I know of as a charcuterie board today is way more palpable, way more toothsome as you say. And, and, and we love it. Like it's kind of the trendy hip thing to put on a menu these days. Would you agree? Like you go to a fun little hipster joint and they've got a charcuterie board on the menu. But here's the thing, Chris, you're a dad. I'm a dad. Charcuterie is one of the easier things to prepare and kids love it. They love a good charcuterie board. They may not love the, the meat jello being shoved down your throat, but you know what they do love? Prosciutto. You know what else they love? Chevra. They may not know they love it, but they love it. It's all in preparation. It's all in the yeah. on the decor. Well, it's also something that's a little outside of the ordinary. It almost feels like you're breaking some of the traditional dinner meal rules. So that, that can be kind of fun too. Yeah. And I, I always, I guess I thought that charcuterie was like this really gourmet, luxurious thing that was only kind of found at like these exclusive dinner parties, like a, like a New Year's Eve party or whatever. And it certainly can be. Those are wonderful places to have it, but it can also just be a meal uh, for dinner at, at the home. You know, it can be a casual Thursday night meal with yeah. your family. Which actually kind of brings up a question. Do you think of charcuterie as more of like an appetizer type plate or something that can serve as like a whole meal or both? Honestly, I Chris, I feel like that question was kind of the premise for me wanting to do this episode. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like this idea of what makes an entree, Yeah, you know, your protein and your starch and your vegetable or whatever, like obviously you know, that's a great meal, but proteins can be beans and mm-hmm. other things as well. We don't, we don't want to alienate any, uh, veggie folk no. out there. It's, it's 2020. Yeah. We're a, we're a progressive bunch. We don't want to exclude the, the limas and the, the garbanzos. Love them. How do you feel about Navy? Is that a bean? Navy beans? The Navy bean? Navy beans. Navy beans. Meatloaf sandwich. Okay, come on. Is that Adam Sandler? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about that guy. Land, man. <laughs> yeah. That was like my teen oh, years man. right there. <laughs> oh, man, love me some Adam Sandler. Okay. I used to think of charcuterie as like this grazing either appetizer or just kind of have it at a, at a cocktail party. And or just picnic. kind of snack on it. Yeah, as the night goes along. Sure. But, but I, I just feel like breaking all the rules. That's not, that's not what charcuterie board is to me anymore. It is, it is dinner. Like you could totally order our charcuterie board off the appetizer menu for dinner at a restaurant and be the cool kid at the party. I I think I was kind of at the same place until several years ago. Like most of my food exploration and adventurousness, honestly, I probably have my wife to thank or blame or somewhere in between. But I think the whole like charcuterie or snack board or whatever idea honestly came from her too. So I'll, I'll give her the credit for that where, you know, I, I used to think of it as like a snack or like a picnic in a movie, but that is something that we have done for full on meals often, whether that's at home or going out to someplace like Sugar's. Yeah, it's just kind of fun. And 
especially when we're at home, it's most often tied to, I'm not sure the best way to phrase it, but this feeling of, let's just try some things. So we'll often have, you know, like a bunch of different cheeses that we've been wanting to try, like at the Whole Foods cheese counter. We'll just get like a a large selection of those. And that becomes kind of the basis of it. It's like this adventurous thing where we're just trying new things. And it's a very interactive meal. You, You very much feel like you're sharing it with the other person. Oh, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I don't know if I'd consider it, thought it through like that, but that's perfect. It's like a, it's like a, almost like a communal experience. Yeah, it is. And, and when there's something out there that's special that you want to try, whether that's, you know, like a really fantastic aged Gouda or if it's like some, you know, type of chocolate or like a different type of uh, cheese spread or all I can think about is cheese right now. There's this other dish completely unrelated. I'm sure you've had paella before. Yeah. Okay. So paella, it's kind of like this brothy, stewy seafood gumbo meal. And it's a Hispanic dish and it's generally served in like this huge, massive pot right in the middle. And it's meant to be enjoyed by everybody at the table. I remember having it for the first time at this uh, little Mexican place in Denver after a Broncos game that Ashley and I went to. It was super late. I think it went into overtime. It was like close to midnight and it was like, yikes, 10 degrees outside. Stopped in and we split a huge bowl of paella and it was so filling, so good. But but yeah, that was the first time we had ever had it and we were just kind of feeling adventurous that night. So you're right. Food is meant to be shared in a way. Yeah. You know, it goes beyond just like this TV dinner-esque, like here's my meal, here's my compartmentalized portions there's yours and yeah. i don't know like when you guys go to a restaurant do you try each other's food we absolutely do and i think honestly my wife's preference is to get a couple things and share them i think it's it's partially just due to that whole idea that yeah you can you can take a utilitarian approach to food but i don't know i think sharing a meal with somebody is an opportunity to connect i just think of some of my most I don't know, deep and memorable conversations happening over a meal or drinks or something like that. There's something about taking time to step away from the busyness of our lives, sit across the table and like actually engage with somebody, especially in this day and age of all of the distractions, the the phone in our, our pockets, television that's always on, but to sit across from somebody, look at them and have a conversation. And mm-hmm. I think food brings another level to that. And especially the, the shared experience that dishes like these can provide. I don't know. It's, it's just this really simple, interesting connection of, I love this, try it. Do you love it too? It, it's simple. It sounds dumb, but there's something that is special about that. Dad's kitchen is dumb and catchy, but it is exactly where it needs to be. It's in my heart, Chris. It's in my heart. <laughs> we're, we're, we're moving <laughs> to, to that maybe. I don't know. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to share a charcuterie board with your wife and you were to make it at home, what would you put in it? Kind of like I said, for us, it's, it's often about those things that you see when you're walking through the grocery store that you're like, oh, that sounds really good, but it's not in my meal plans for this week. Or maybe it's like a little bit more than I want to spend right now on some random piece of cheese or, you know, some random crackers or whatever. But um, I, I would say that it's about 
the little bit of splurge on things like that and keeping it simple. Um, for us, one of our go-tos, and I think we actually did share this with you guys one of, one of the times you were out. It might have been a couple of summers ago, but gotten into kind of radishes and radish sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. That was awesome. That, that like ends up being just this kind of essential part of our little uh, snack boards, just because it's something that we both know that we love. And it, like most things in a modern day charcuterie board, you can approach it several ways. So we typically have uh, radishes that you know we'll probably even just leave whole and then we can cut them however we want. Butter. So an, a nice like Kerrygold salted and mm-hmm. bread and then some type of salt and so uh, there, there are several ways that we'll go about eating those sometimes it's just taking the radish and dipping it in the salt sometimes it's putting like a little bit of butter on it and then sprinkling some salt on top or taking a, a piece of bread buttering that putting radish slices on that and putting salt over the top of all of that and that whole combination for some reason there's just something about radishes and salt that is is amazing and we as a sidestep you know we've i've mentioned malden salt several times so that's that's a a finishing salt as opposed to you know a salt that you're going to put into your recipe but it's a finishing salt that we really like and i think it's 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 something that's fantastic to always have on hand they have a couple different varieties they have like a smoked salt that's really good but it's uh basically just a large crystal sea salt that is a little less salty a little less bitter than you know your average salt and you can sprinkle it on the top of different things, whether that's a, a salad or eggs or radishes on some bread. And it gives it an elevated feel, kind of adds a little bit of crunch and texture and a little bit of extra saltiness. But that is an absolute mainstay of any snack board or charcuterie board that we're going to have. So, yeah. What about you? Super fascinating. Well, I hope we get some inquiries from some listeners regarding your butter on your radishes. I remember. <laughs> having it for the first time at your place a couple of years ago thinking like wait what like you just you just smear a bunch of butter on some vegetables and you eat it and it, it, it as crazy as it sounds like it can be done really really well and honestly like choosing the right butter makes such a huge difference oh, yeah. Kerrygold is a national Magical. monument yes Kerrygold butter like just get some Irish butter it's honestly not even that much more expensive it just has such a better flavor and like it's so much healthier than just like any any other butter or margarine kidding me get rid of that stuff yeah Kerrygold butter dude it's so good but um okay what I would put on my charcuterie board my snack board if I'm not gonna overthink it like if I have a mainstay is as you say I'll probably start with a prosciutto and for what it's worth, prosciutto, it's dry aged, so it's generally served cold. So we'll, we'll typically start with prosciutto. I am a huge fan of olives, like kalamata and green. And there's this, there's this way to do olives called Olives Jubilee, uh, which is basically just like a medley of different types of olives. And they're soaked in olive oil with some spices, like say rosemary, maybe some mustard seeds might be in there and, and some other things. But Typically, if you go to a deli section at a at a local grocery store, they'll have Olives Jubilee. So I'll do some of those. I will do two types of cheeses. Uh, a hard cheese, like a dub liner, is, is one of my favorites. And then a soft cheese like, like chevre or goat cheese. And then um, stopping right there, like one of my favorite flavor combinations is to spread some chevre over an olive, particularly the Kalamata olive. I feel like that is 
just such a rich flavor combination right there. So, man, if we do anything, Chris, it's like like let's spread some chevra over some Kalmat olives. Life changing. I can't say I've tried that. Changing flavor combo. Okay, we'll enjoy that later this evening. And I typically will have something crunchy, like a like a little cracker. It really could be any type of cracker. I I like a little crostini cracker. Just like a super, super dry. It's kind of like a crouton, basically, but it's a little bit larger and flatter. And then some sort of like dried fruit, like apricot. Apricot is a nice little touch to yeah. that. And and maybe some nuts, maybe some cashews or pistachios, something like that. It's kind of a lengthy list, but just having a, an assortment of so many different types of things on your board just makes for a really fun little adventure. And yeah, kids kids enjoy it. They get a little grabby with it. Who cares, man? It's just, just a fun thing to enjoy. So that's my rundown of the charcuterie board at the Kanaip household. That sounds uh, fantastic and pretty pretty similar to, you know, what we're doing. But, you know, we'll add some radishes and maybe some, oddly enough, we might add some like fresh apples, something like that. Yeah, apples go great on a charcuterie and, board. And a bottle of wine for sure. Oh, 100%. That's, yeah. that's uh, a must ingredient there. It is, I think, an absolutely fantastic meal for a family because of a lot of different reasons. It it feels a lot more interactive and engaging. It's not, you know, I, I think normal dinners, you can detach a little bit and it's just like, you know, we're going down to sit and eat, but shaking it up with a charcuterie, it, it, it does something interesting. It Shake it up. Yeah, it, it does. It like causes you to engage a little bit more and it's fun. It's out of the ordinary. It's like having waffles for dinner. It's something that isn't a hundred percent like the routine. And I think it's a fantastic idea. So it was great to bring that up, Phil. Yeah. And that whole list, uh, my list, Chris's list, we'll, we'll, we'll put that in our show notes just to kind of give people somewhat of a rubric to, to go off of. But what I'm really interested in is seeing what you guys put on your charcuterie board. So reach out to us. What I would really like to see is how you guys do your charcuterie board. So let's chat. Uh, jump on over to your favorite social media platform and let's connect. We would we would love to see what you guys are putting on your charcuterie board. And who knows, we might just do a little feature feature, feature feature. Yeah, def- definitely do that. And uh, let us know what you think about kind of everything that we're doing as well. You know, this is something that we are still trying to figure out as we go. And we're refining the process, whether it's our in the studio approach or our in the kitchen episodes, you know, this last in the kitchen we used a slightly different format, which I think was a step forward, but I think there's still plenty of things that we can learn from that. Like, I don't know, me personally, I like to clean up as I go while I'm cooking, but that doesn't necessarily make for a good podcast, I don't think, because you hear the water constantly <laughs> running. Sure. So yeah, if if there's stuff that you guys are interested in hearing more about, let us know. We are interested in your interests. 100%. Uh, ultimately, we want to make the kitchen more approachable for you guys, our listeners. So let us know what you would like to see or here, I guess. Yeah. Or conversely, if you hate this show and you don't ever want to hear from us again, the best way to to fix that is to jump on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review with a really great rating uh, because algorithms are funny and somehow that gets us canceled. So yeah. it's really a win-win. That's, that's the best feedback for us if you hate it. Yeah. Or if you love it. Yep. So I was at this cocktail party. I think it was a New Year's Eve party several years ago. And I remember this guy who I was talking to just, he kept snacking on these Fritos. And I, this is actually kind of what gave me an idea to, to do this show or this specific episode. He, he just kept eating Fritos all night long. It was like, you know, 
his little finger food and and the smell of his breath just snacking on the Fritos it's like reg- all night reg- long. regular Fritos or were, just were the they regular ones, chili yeah. Fritos. No, they weren't the chili. They were just the corn, the, the regular corn I don't know what Frito other chips. Type of Fritos there are. Those are the only two I know. Jalapeno. Actually, yeah, I think those are the only two kinds of Fritos. Jalapeno Fritos. They're probably pepper Fritos. Shrimp Fritos. <laughs> I think they already have pepper. Eh, shrimp. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a flavor of something. Some type of chip or something. There's like a mm. shrimp chip. I'm pretty sure. I might have to go look that up. Anyways, this idea that you should be eating Fritos at a dinner party. Yeah, there's a better way to live your life. Yeah, like prosciutto would just be such a better thing to eat at a dinner party. Tastes better. It's more healthy for you, I'm sure. Probably. Maybe. Probably. And you wouldn't disgust other people. Yeah, it might have more nitrates, but nitrates don't repel friends. So less Fritos, more Olive's Jubilee. Oh, 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 oh.